0: Hi again. Welcome. I'm Jordan Rich, and I'm always pleased and honored to be here to sit with the man himself, Ken Gloss, the proprietor of the Brattle Bookshop in Boston on West Street. We talk about all kinds of things, books, periodicals, maps, postcards, you name it, and, of course, collecting and dealing, and that's what today's subject is. Collectors who become dealers, dealers who become collectors, uh, sort of a gray area, but you'll straighten out for us, I I bet.
1: (laughs) Well, I actually had someone... Uh, email me. they'd heard a past podcast where I suggest people you know send in suggestions for subject or things we could talk about and this person particularly thought this would be an interesting collection uh, a subject where you know do collectors become dealers or do dealers have their own collections and that's actually a, a very interesting subject and you' talk to a lot of people but what I tend to find is, First of all, whenever a collector comes and approaches me about, you know, dealing and so on, uh, I point out to some degree, it's still a business and, uh, you know, treat it as a business, but where it really happens a lot of times successfully, and it's sort of an offshoot, it's not necessarily very few collectors who become dealers, very few actually make their living on it. either. They've been in a a business where they've done very, very well, or they've retired and they've got time on their hands, but it's not their main source of income. I will tell you from experience, making a living in the used and rare book business can be done. I've done it, but it's a challenge. Uh, It's sort of like someone saying, oh, I want to retire and open an inn in Vermont, or wouldn't it be wonderful? You're a great cook. Why don't we open a restaurant? It sounds great, but when you're working 15, 20 hours a day and uh, over a hot grill or cleaning up after people in the uh, Vermont, it might seem a lot harder. But <laughs> one of the couple of ways that I find that people who are collectors uh, sort of work their way into it. the, the way that I find doesn't work is someone who literally has been collecting books all their life, they've got two, three, 5,000 books. It's a nice collection. They've, they love it. They love going into bookstores. They love hunting around and finding it and talking to people and discussing books. That person, it almost never works. And one of the reasons it doesn't work is they love books and they love talking about them. And they have a collection that starts as their you know base of their business and that they've collected over 10 20 30 years and they find in the first few months they do fabulously well because they have good books problem is you've got to replace those books you've got to find more books you've got to get your name out there you've got to carry the books you've got to uh, really get out there and that is the hard part selling books is actually can be a challenge depending on who you're selling to, but selling them is the easy part. It's getting them and finding them and coming up with new things and things that people are interested in looking at and realizing the amount of time and effort that goes into that is many times way, way more than than trying to sell the book.
0: We joke often in life about uh, jobs that require no heavy lifting. In this case there is some heavy lifting.
1: (laughs) In many cases, there's a huge, you know, 5,000 books in a fifth floor walk up in 95 degree weather. Yeah. It's a lot of work, I can tell you. Absolutely. What does sometimes work, though, is there are a lot of collectors and as sort of a sideline to their collection become semi-dealers. They might collect in one particular field or area and they become experts in that field, be it chemistry or be it local history or be it uh, the East India trade uh, in New England or whaling or whatever. And what happens is they they collect and they collect and they might get duplicates or they might have bought a copy 20 years ago that was good but then they found another one that was better. And then maybe even a third one that was better but each time it get a little bit more expensive and they sort of say, well, gee, maybe I'll sell off the one I bought first time to help finance the one that's second. And then since they're always looking for books in this area, they go, wait a minute, I've already got that, but that's a really good price. I don't want to let it go. And next thing you know, they've, they've got duplicates. They Maybe their collection becomes a little bit more focused. They realize, although they might have been interested in children's books and they started collecting all sorts of different ones but maybe they actually were only interested in early 20th century illustrated children's books so but they've learned a lot about the other field. so they keep buying in that area when they see the right book and then they have friends who collect in the same area and they sell to Mm. them and maybe their friends get some duplicates and sell and they trade and trade off and a lot of that type of business is in a way financing their own collection. They're not necessarily doing it to make a living to live off of, but they love it. They want to see more people interested in it, and so they start dealing a little. And a few of those uh, collector dealers and so on have become, you know, quite prominent in their field. But their main purpose mm-hmm. was building their collection in financing it and not making a living off of
0: it. Well, I'm talking to one of the most eminent uh, dealers in the in the world as far as I'm concerned. So let me turn the tables and ask you about your collections. And as you've gone along, since you have access to so much that's coming in and out of the store, um, have there been moments where you decided right then and there, oh, I'm gonna start a collection because I now see 15 or 20 books in a series that I'd love to start?
1: Uh, well, there are a few collections we had, but when I was growing up, my father used to bring home 15 or 20 books, uh, two, three, four a day, sometimes 20, 30 a week. And he accumulated. He didn't really have a focus to it, but it was always something that interested in him and so on. So our house, when I was growing up, were piles and heaps and mm-hmm. books falling over and so on. So I sort of rebelled against that a little. And I read a lot, but I tend to read them and then bring them back to the store and sell them. But there are two or three collections that have come up, uh, and uh, one of them is a little bit more ephemeral than another. Also, it can be very dangerous for a book dealer to become a collector, because the idea is you buy and you sell, and if you start not selling, yeah, it. It's not necessarily all that great for business, but there are. I'll tell you about. See, I can talk about four collections I can think of right off the top of my head. One of them, one day I was out in Dubai and I saw a book and had a very nice cover on it and a very pretty cover, but it was a picture of a toilet.
0: Oh, the- this, this is grabbing people everywhere. Go right ahead. Keep going.
1: <laughs> and the title of the book was Flushed with Pride, The Life of Thomas Crapper."
0: Oh, one of my favorite and, people. Yes.
1: And, and, you know, and I looked at it and I said, this is, you know, I sort of smiled when I looked at it. And I said, I've got to bring it home and show it to my wife, Joyce. And I did. And I brought it home and she took one look at it and said, we've got to put that in the bathroom. <laughs> so we put it in the bathroom. One of the other things that I sort of liked and we bought and sold over the years is in the late 1800s, early 1900s, a lot of books had very decorative covers. Uh, Before they really used dust jackets a lot. And the reason they had decorative covers was that the book publisher wanted the book to attract your eye when you went into the bookstore. If it attracted your eye, better chance they'd buy it. So a few days after... Uh, flushed with pride I went to another house and I bought a book and it had a big eye it was from the 1860s but it had a big eye staring out of the cover the title was We Never Sleep hmm. it was a history of the Pinkerton Detective Agency oh of course their I logo said, you, yeah. but with a big eye staring at you right. I brought it home I said Joyce we should put this one in the bathroom too because <laughs> there's a big eye staring at you and Okay. so 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 the next thing that happened was this was a little half bathroom so there was no shower no steam we built bookshelves in this bathroom and now there are 3 or 400 of these victorian style illustrated books in the bathroom
0: so it's literally your reading room i mean the, the it's the, literally
1: a reading room <laughs> people walk into the room they're a little taken aback but there's loads of uh, reading material and one of the rules of our collection is that nothing can be valuable, because every once in a while a book falls off the shelf, <laughs> and you can imagine where it ends up.
0: I can imagine. <laughs> that is so cool. I love that.
1: Story. So it, it's sort of a fun collection that started that way. Now another collection we had was when I first started dating my wife. Uh, I found out that she was. I was working at the store. I, you know, we were in our twenties. And I was working at the store, and I found out she liked jazz. Now, I like jazz, but I'm not a musician. I don't know that much about music. She's actually not a musician. She just loves listening to jazz. But I thought, well, gee, if she likes jazz, maybe I should get her a book on jazz. So then what happened was another thing came in, signed studio photos of jazz musicians, like Dizzy Gillespie, uh, Ella Fitzgerald. Uh, one time, uh, one came in of Billy Holiday who didn't sign a lot of pictures. So next thing you know, I'm getting these things and I'm saving them for anniversaries, for birthdays, for Mother's Day, for whatever. Next thing you know, she has a thousand books on jazz. She has about a hundred studio portraits of signed jazz musicians that we used to have in the house. And um, you know, it's sort of a collection that just sort of happened. But uh, she sold it a few years ago. And one of the reasons she said was, first of all, a lot of people in 10 or 15 years from now aren't gonna know who these people are Mm. and they're not gonna look at them. And then we had a collector who really wanted the whole collection intact. So uh, we decided, okay, it's time. And one of the nice things that they did was all of her signed studio photos, they lined up, took a photo of all the photos, and now we have one picture hanging in our den of the whole photo collection. Oh, that's a great idea. It's a a memory. Perfect.
0: Well, there's a reason she married you beyond, you know, the fact that you're handsome, and it's obvious that you knew what was very near and dear to her heart, and you picked it up and then went with it. And that's the thing about collecting, I mean, as opposed to dealing, collecting is always pretty much a passion. Uh, It's a fun thing. Might be costly too, but.
1: Well, it's a passion and it's a fun thing. Uh, Another collection that she likes and she really feels strongly about is, and she only has about six or seven books, is the diary of Anne Frank. Mm -hmm. I went to one estate, bought a first edition of it, which is in Dutch and brought it home. We had a box made for it. Now she's picked up a few more. It's not as intense but, but it's, it's a nice little collection of a very important book. Uh, but for dealers, when young people come to me and they ask advice on collecting, and uh, especially when they say, well, we think we wanna go into the business. And I said, be really, really careful about collecting. Because especially when you're first going into the business, you need to be able to finance this business and although your collecting might be a lot of fun, try to keep it under control. It doesn't always work, right. but try to keep it under control.
0: Or at least have a pretty good trust fund there to back you up.
1: <laughs> if you're well, there are, actually, there are actually some dealers that that's, they started out with a trust fund, Yeah, and it really helps. Uh, one other collection that I have now is a totally different type of collection. Is What I do is I collect stories. I have about 10 pages of lined paper that on each line is either a word, a phrase, maybe a paragraph, that when I look at that thing, it's a story about books, buying books, selling books, a particular book, a house I went to, uh, a trip I went on to find books, a customer that came in the store, and I keep adding to that collection and adding to it and adding to it. And people who've been listening to the podcast, sometimes where they wonder where all these stories come from, is I pull out my list before we broad, before we record, and I go, oh, that one would be a good one, and that one would be a good one. Or well, now sometimes when I do talks, um, now I'm doing them by Zoom, but when I do them live, uh, an easy way I find to do a talk sometimes is do a little introductory, and then I pull out my list and I just sort of almost throw a dot (laughs) and say, oh, okay, and then tell that story and then tell the next one. So that's a a collection that keeps growing and I don't mind it keep growing. And it actually, I can put it in my pocket or put it on my iPad and carry it with me very easily.
0: A collection with very practical results. (laughs) It comes in handy. No question about
1: it. not only does it have practical results, but it's something that means an awful lot yeah, to me. Yeah, of course. That that it's sort of, I look at that and sometimes I can look at them and sit there and go, oh yeah, I remember that. Or when someone comes in who might have some involvement, I say, hey, look, look at what I've got down here. And then we talk and sit and you know uh, go over it. So that's the collection right now that I'm trying to add as much as I possibly can to. And sometimes even at night, if I dream and something, I remember something, I have to wake up immediately and write down a sentence because otherwise when you wake up regularly, you forget about it.
0: You learned something from Thomas Edison. Good for you. And I don't know if you could ever top the Thomas Crapper collection, but... I think you may have.
1: <laughs> I have I have some pictures of it, and it's a lot of fun. And the the problem, the one big problem that I had with that collection was it's a small little bathroom. And no matter how many shelves you put in it, there's a limit to how much right. you can put in it. And my wife at one point said, stop. And I said, well, wait a minute can I substitute occasionally? <laughs> <laughs> and she said, okay, that's all right. Uh, but enough. Boy. Uh, so, you know, Great. but it's, it's fun. Uh, and that's the one thing I think that when you get into collecting, whether you're doing it as a collector, if you're a dealer, helping other collectors, if you're, it's, it's the fun of doing it. It's the interest. And, I'll tell one last story about that, that I particularly am trying to help a new collector start. And I'm actually talking to another collector to help me. Uh, One subject area that people love collecting, or there are a lot of people collecting, is the Titanic. I mean, just from the number of books that have come out and the history of it, and the movies and everything, there's a lot of material out there. And there's historians who study it. And we have One customer has probably been coming in for the last 25 years collecting, but recently I had a seven-year-old say, I like the Titanic. Maybe he saw the movie, maybe he saw something on television, whatever it is, it caught his attention. And now I'm trying to see if I can start him on building a collection of books and postcards and things on the Titanic. So far it's working. Now, maybe when he's seven and a half, it won't, or eight. <laughs> but in maybe 20 years from now, he'll go, I remember when you got me that book or that. Who knows? Well, but it's fun.
0: It's the stuff of great stories, you being the story collector. Thank you so much to Ken Gloss. Remember, we present Brattlecasts throughout the year and all kinds of great topics. You can always connect with Ken at thebrattlebookshop.com. We'll see you next time on The Brattlecast.